Ladies and gentlemen, attention everyone. Welcome to No Picks After Dark. It's your boy Nick Burke, and you are now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world with Aaron Dante, giving you the hottest interviews with the dopest people, sharing their experiences from your neighborhood all around to the world. Voted Best Baltimore Podcast by you, the listeners. Now, your host, Aaron Dante. Yo, Aaron, talk to him. Welcome back to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Let me tell y'all something. This is the special bonus episode I didn't tell y'all was going to happen for the Black History Month, okay? And I didn't know I was going to get this interview. This brother is hard to catch up with, man. I mean, this brother be on the ocean. He a jet set. I'll be seeing on Instagram like, man, this brother relaxing. But he always grinding. And I want to give a special shout out to Miss Sarah real quick um, because her not go back. And she's like, you got to interview my man. Me and him went to college together. He doing big things. I said, well, listen, if he doing big things, you know him, reach out through intermediary. You say, hey, find him so we can talk. Aaron, done. So let me, let me, let me give you guys real quick. Mr. Daniel Watson, founder of Livid and Livid Media Plus and Livid Magazine, VP of Digital Marketing and Strategy of Hometality. The one and only Mr. Daniel Watson, what's the one on, sir? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor, you know, to be featured uh, during Black History Month. But even the fact that the the launch of my birthday week, because my birthday is actually this week too. So uh, another another benefit. Plus, I'm I'm just happy to be here. Man, you I'm know, ha- another year. I'm happy with the show. I'm happy we got a brother doing some big things. We guys, we have to praise, salute, do everything we can do to get our names out here. And I'm, you know, if I can be the vessel, whatever I can do, that's why we're here. That's why we got to make sure that the voices are unheard or heard. Yes, what they said. You know, we got to make sure we talk. And I'm so happy to have you on. Really am, brother. Again, I've been trying to get Thank a hold you. of you for four months. We've been going back in emails. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm emailing. So. Yes. Aaron, I didn't get it. So I'm going to get to you. Trust me. I'm gonna, we're going to make this happen. So on his, <laughs> we, we this interview. So right, let's, let's get into the episode, folks. Let, let's not talk. Yeah. All right. So, Mr. Daniel Watts, <clears throat> tell, tell the listeners a little bit about you. Where are you from originally? Um, what, what, what's going on? Okay. So um, I currently live here in New York City. Um, I've spent most of my adult life here, but I'm originally from Raleigh, North Carolina. So I'm still a Southern boy at heart. My family lives down there. Um, my older sister um, and family lives in, in North Carolina. My mom and my younger sister lives in Atlanta. And uh, I have family ranging from Virginia, Maryland, Florida, Texas, you know, and I'm up here in New York. So what is one of your fondest childhood memories growing up? Like, tell me, like, I mean, what's the, you say you got every, people everywhere, but like, what is a memory that always just, you just keep as warm in your heart that you like? Mm. Well, I think I think it's more of the humor um, of the the family moments. Like we when we gather together for you know the Thanksgiving, um, but um, that's not one of my most distinctive childhood memories. And I you have to bear with me in the aspects of this because um, I, I believe that the kids today have it so easy when it comes to chores and everything like that. So I can remember, uh, you know, going to my grandmother's house for the weekend and, you know, Saturday when you want to watch cartoons. Right. Uh, so my grandmother's like, well, you guys, you guys, you know, she has like a half an acre land and he's like, you guys are going to do yard work and housework. Right. So, uh, my oldest cousin, uh, used to say that he was afraid of heights. So I had to climb up on top of the house and clean, clean the, uh, the gutters. Or it was like the time when, you know, my grandmother wanted to replace the wallpaper in our kitchen and we had to wet the walls and use razors. So like, that's the stuff that I remember is the hilarious moments of like, okay, this is teaching me to be a good steward of what I have and always that tidy. I mean, if you see my place now, there's there's nothing here that you would say that it's 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 it just 
strictly always clean. Um, so those one of the things that was really in store with me uh, and grinded in me is always keeping a tidy house. Um, so that's that's a little bit more different than you know a lot of other people's stories, but that's one of the fondest memories that I've had is that you know my cousins and my sisters and I coming together to clean and it yeah I know weird right but oh, hey listen I remember experience. I remember cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. I had to clean before I watched cartoons on Saturday. I remember yes. before I did anything. So you, <laughs> hey, yes. walk, you better bust them suds, if you know what I'm saying, back in the day. Yes, exactly, so, exactly. Enjoy dishwashing liquid, you know what I mean? I know about it. Oh, that. I know, exactly. <laughs> they don't know about that, no. They don't know about that. So, you know, within spirit of the Black History Month, um, what are some things that, like, really, like, when you were growing up, stood out to you like your family talk about black history just what are some things that really like if you could think off like that really just stuck out when you're just I mean because for me black history and for you probably 365 days of the year it's every day yes so yes things stuck out to you just growing up like just the family oriented with like talking about black history and things of that nature well i mean that that's that's i mean you said it in itself is it's family right um community um, I remember my grandfather um, on my dad's side um, lived in this um, apartment complex and he was the maintenance guy um, for all of the, the whole neighborhood. But the thing is, is that he would go deep sea fishing and hunting and he would feed the whole neighborhood also. So like have these massive fish fries and, and these amazing times where the community just came together. And so man, he was just a public figure in itself when he wasn't trying to be. It was just his nature. And, um, and so I look back at those moments of, you know, being able to uh, spin with uh, him and my, my other grandmother. And, you know, it's like they could never, they were so country that they never really got my name right. So they called me Danielle instead of Daniel. <laughs> and so I would never correct them because, you know, again, they're my elders. But it was just like the, the whole uh, Southern twang, because like even when I'm home, my, my, my uh, Southern twang comes out. But, you know, I remember, you know, my grandfather, he's like, you know, Danielle, how you feel good? And he was like, that's how he would always approach it. Or he'd be like, oh, you know, how's my number one grandson? You know, but knowing that I got tons of cousins and everything else, but uh, it just, the, the idea of community, and remembering where you come from and, and, and just being able to stay in that, that place of, you know, at the end of the day, all you have is family. And so being able to appreciate those moments of, you know, giving back to the community, being in the community and not uh, expecting anything in return. I love that. I love that. I yeah. Love that. So yeah, yeah. we're going we're to shift a little bit. So, okay. Hey, man. Now we gotta figure out something here. <laughs> How did you end up in Casanova, New York? How did you? Okay. okay. People, you know, <laughs> all right. Casanova, New York, is about twenty to thirty minutes outside of Syracuse, New York. Now, it's, we're yeah. not gonna say it's Western New York. I call it like Central New York. Okay, it's not Western. Western's Buffalo. Central is right. Syracuse, Casanova area. Then upstate is more Albany. Okay. Right. How you. End up in small town, Casnovia from the south. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I know, I know. So oh. that is such a great story, uh, because you know when I was looking at schools, um, you know, in high school I uh, was a painter, but I also was in journalism, and so um, you know I was in photography, you know, as a photojournalist, and I was looking at schools that I was able to be able to combine the two. Um, so being able to be a, a double major. Um, and so that was one of the things that I was looking for. So I had looked at, you know, Savannah, you know, uh, SCAD. I looked at the Art Institute in uh, Pasadena. I looked at the Brooks Institute. Um, so like a lot of the schools, you know, even the Academy of Art, where I literally um, later went and got my master's at. Um, and my mom was like, I'd rather for you to go to New York than to um, to the West Coast because you're closer to home. And so, um, you know, as I was researching, 
you know, I looked at Syracuse. Um, I looked at, I think I looked at um, Morrisville, Lemoyne, you know, a little, a little of that. So um, I got a letter from um, uh, uh, Casanova submitting my portfolio. So they're like, okay, you know, we saw your portfolio, but would you like to come and actually visit the campus? And so when I got there, it's like, it just reminded me of home because it was so small, the class sizes were small and it was just a, a personal experience. And I think it was like the midwinter when I actually went. So for me being a country boy, it's like smells are very important, right? So it's like the, the first winter, it's like the air is very crisp and it's like, it, it, it tingles your nose hairs and you know, and so that for me was like, okay, I can dig this. You know, um, I said, I, I don't know if I'll get used to the snow, but we'll see. And then I also had the opportunity to play soccer for Casanova too. So that was another benefit for me, you know, being active. Okay. I didn't know that part. I mean, now when you went to visit, it was cold up there. Yeah. Brother. It was. Cold. I know. It was. <laughs> I went to Syracuse and I always tell people, you know, it's always funny when um, it would be like parents weekend or it would be visit, like a visitor weekend and it'd be yeah. 70 degrees. But as soon as they leave, it'd be like, it'd be, the snow be, it snows until May there. Okay. You know, it snows until May. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, I mean, I remember walking to classes, you know, wrapped up, you know, scarf, you know, glasses and all. And you're like, wait, we're still having class because most of the professors live in town. And you're like, but we'll have a class canceled because it's sunny outside. You know, I never really understood yeah. you know, the aspects yeah. of that. They but, did. you know, it, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You got to school there. Okay. What yeah. was your major? What, like, when, what was the goals when you got up there? Like, all right, let's, let's, let me figure out I want, what I want to do. I know you said you, you were looking at, art scat down in, in uh, Savannah and yeah. you got your so yeah. it change when you got there because I know a lot of people change when they get to college. so so um let me back up just a little bit so when I was an undergrad I was actually taking classes at UNC Chapel Hill as a photojournalist okay and so um I thought that photojournalism was my field of choice right uh, until we started watching these war document documentaries on uh, war photographers I was like nope not me. Nope. This is not what I want to do. Uh -huh. I'm my mom's only son. I, yeah, no. Mm -mm. I mean, there was even one, one point where I want, how I want to pay for school was to go into military. So, but I ended up getting scholarships from Casanova. And um, so getting into the program, I was accepted into the studio art program with the emphasis of photography. So I was able to take, you know, my figure drawing, my painting classes, as well as the, the, the basis of photography. And, you know, and, and before that, you know, like this was before digital. So this is film, get your hands dirty, chemicals, you smell it like peroxide, you know, all of those different things of creativity, right? Um, I mean, stuff that now that causes cancer and we all know that now. But, you know, at that age, we did not know, right? We are all experimenting in lab rats. Um, so for that, um, as the years went by at Casanova, um, I started to pull away from painting um, and more into uh, creative um, um, photography and specializing more into commercial. Um, and that was the route that I was looking to go into commercial and advertisement within photography. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so like when you graduate, we're speed up. You graduated. Okay. What was your first gig? Like what was going on? Okay. So my first job out of Casanova, because I know I wanted to go into teaching. I taught at uh, Mainless Pebble Hill, MPH uh, in uh, Duet. And so um, I was 21 years old, huh? Hold on one second. 11? Hold on one, hold on one okay. second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, what, what, what happened? What year did you teach there? Um, so I graduated in 2005. So right after that, yeah, literally. There's a, there's a reason why I'm saying this. Okay, what? 
Oh, shut up. <laughs> Such a small world. Such a small world. I love it. I love it. I love it. Folks, this is this is live happening right now. I want you to know. You can see my face right now. And he's like, I taught at a school called Manlius Purple Hill. I'm like, what, what did you just say? And you know, and when I say that, a lot of people don't don't know. They're like, what? Where is that? Yeah, they know. It's, 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 it's Syracuse. I graduated from there in '99. Of high okay. So okay. Small world. Wow. Okay. You just blew my mind. Yeah. Probably Mr. Hoke was still there. Miss Bentley was still there. Baxter Ball. Uh, I don't know if there or not. He might have. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember a lot of them. Oh, I get it. But um, I was I was teaching um photography there, and um. And I quickly realized that I was too close in age with the students, you know, being 21, 22, uh, because, you know, it's like uh, the little inappropriate uh, conversations that people will have towards you and you're working in the dark. And I said, there is no way I'm going to ruin my teaching career off of, you know, these students that I send to the office. So, um, you know, that's the reason why I decided to get my master's and to go into higher education uh, because of the difference. Yeah. Wow. wow. So, yeah. So for that was just an eye opener for me because, you know, I, originally I wanted to go to the, uh, the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. And that's where I, I said, okay, this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to move to California for my master's. And knowing, like, I've never even been there. I never even visited the school. I ain't never been to San Francisco. I, at that point, I ain't even never been to even California. So my timing of moving there was when classes were about to start. So, um, you know, my first experience, um, I remember um, getting off the plane and getting onto BART, which is the train there. Um, leaving uh, SFO, um, you know, people were like, you got all those suitcases. And I was like, yeah, this is my first time in San Francisco. And he's like, you're going to love it. You know, they embrace the arts, you know, which is true. And so I'm getting off, you know, like Montgomery Street, you know, which is one of the main streets in San Francisco. Um, and I just so happened to uh, pass a guy who was smoking on a glass pipe. And I was like, wait, what? You know, this was such an eye opener for me. So I'm calling my mom. I'm like, mom, um, I was like, you wouldn't believe what I just saw. Right. And she's like, yeah, that's that's what, you know, I mean, what happens. I was like, wow, I must have been so sheltered growing up because of these things of not seeing only in movies. Right. So that's why I was like, oh, so dumbfounded by like, OK, well, you know, this is what happens. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So what did you What did you get out of that experience being out there in San Francisco? Like, what did you? So my master's, um, I focused on um, fashion editorial. So heavily in the fashion industry, learning commercial advertisement, um, uh, branding. Um, I excuse me. I was just open to doing pretty much everything in fashion um i dealt with a lot of racism mm. and um and i mean if i can even backtrack to you know high school of you know growing up in the south you know i had a teacher to call me the n-word um or you know teachers that told me that i would never amount to anything to syracuse playing soccer and dealing with racist parents to now as a young adult moving to san francisco where there's a different type of racism um, and, um, and so, you know, being able to be exposed to that such at a young age is knowing how to fight these conversations, right? You know, it's the, the transfer in adapting to the different languages, right? So it's like, we have one type of way we act with one group, and then we have another way and just being able to adapt to those things. And so, you know, being able to correct people without sparking the aspects of showing I'm actually angry. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? And so I dealt with a lot of that um, with um, professors that I took classes with. Um, one professor um, who just 
really wanted to make it known that he was that type of way, um, taught most of the fashion classes. And so I took not one fashion class with him. I took a lot of independent studies with other professors um, and photographers in the industry and learned that way. Um, I also dealt with a lot of that with um, the director of the program too. Um, yeah, so like my thesis work was shooting fashion within the African-American communities. Mm. And so uh, a lot of that was where the board and professors were not diverse, right? You know, you're talking about a program where my class was maybe maybe five of us, you know, out of the whole program. And then there was probably maybe two or three female um, professors in the program. So um, it was a lot of saying, you know, you're not portraying your culture. Remember how you were brought up. You know, those type of things where it was to the point where it almost made me drop out. Like I was so frustrated in, in, in this aspect, but you know, like my mom and, you know, my, uh, my advisor who was from New York, um, really pushed me to continue, um, on the, with the program. And I end up, you know, graduating there and, um, never really look back at that school after that, you know, type of thing. Um, you know, I think, well, I know the director that I had is no longer there. Um, but it's just, it's so interesting how those things happen because I remember in my dissertation, you know, it was like eight o'clock in the morning, you know, I'm coming from Oakland, you know, with, you know, uh, 13 by 19 uh, uh, prints, you know, mounted on black plexiglass. And here I am walking in um, into this meeting and I, immediately flushed over my words, you know, which they pointed out. And then it's like at the end, you know, it's like the director saying, you know, Daniel, you BS your way through a master's. I'll be surprised you get a job anywhere. And then these just start fighting amongst themselves and sending me out of the room saying that they were out of line. And, and so it was a lot of stuff like that that, you know, if I wasn't coming from that straw background of New York, of like, yo, being assertive and knowing what you want. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to handle a lot of those conversations head on, you know, as a young adult, because you're not having that advocate or that support um, there. And so, you know, I was part of a lot of um, black associations, um, artist associations where they're saying, you know, you have to be, you know, five or six times as good as your counterpart to get in an entry level job and and that was one of the first things that I experienced when I was looking for work while I was in school is that um, a lot of the jobs said I was overqualified and you know it's like being a graduate student and uh, and then hearing the job the word saying oh you're overqualified so it came to the point where I just took everything out of my resume and just said I graduated from undergrad and that's when people started to call me back so I said, you didn't want to pay me for what I was worth. And now this is the opportunity here. Um, so a lot of lessons learned from that. Um, I know one of the things that um, as a photographer um, and knowing my actual size class of photography uh, photographers, you know, it's like when you graduate, what makes you different from the other one other than your style, right? So I wanted to learn so many other things of like layouts, you know, graphic design. So, um, you know, and I remember my professor saying, you don't need to learn this because someone's going to, you're going to hire someone to do this, you know, this for the job. And I said, and this is the same exact thing I said, well, why not learn it so I can be able to hire a better person to tell them what I'm looking for, and long and behold, right after I graduated, you know, I got a, a job at Williams-Sonoma as an art director because I knew these additional things um, that opened up so many other doors. And so I have such a passion for technology and um, the arts that, you know, I, I read a lot and which led to where I'm at now, not knowing that a lot of these jobs that I've worked, you know, in marketing, you know, um, working for um, the Historical Society of New York, not knowing that all of these pieces would come back to saying, you know what, I'm gonna create my own. And so 
with that, it was when I was leaving um, uh, Williams-Sonoma um, that I was like, um, I wanted to start um, a, an agency, but I didn't know for certain if it was an agency or publication. So I wanted to start with publication, you know, cause I was already shooting for other magazines. And, you know, I remember um, I had got commissioned to shoot for Fab Magazine, which is out of the UK. Uh, so they're Nigerian UK publication. And, um, and so we shot this campaign. I remember, um, cause I was so excited. It was a two day campaign. Um, it was like holiday masquerade, lingerie type of thing and, um, did the casting with a team and, um, we shot about 12 pages for this and they printed like four. And so that was my frustration of saying, you know, like, you know, these creative directors are dictating what you're producing, what you can and cannot do. Well, why don't I just create my own? Mm. Hold, so hold that thought. Yeah. We, we, okay. We're going to give a quick minute from our, from our sponsors. Okay. All right. Cool. We're going we're gonna to go right into that. All right. Okay. Cool. 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 All right, folks. And we'll be right back after these messages. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself. And try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery. And they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. All right, folks, we are back from, the, from our quick break. And Mr. Daniel was giving us a giving us taking us to church real quick about his life, <laughs> whatnot. And before you get into that, before we go into your company, the one you started, before we okay. go, let's rewind okay. real quick. Okay, something important you really said in there that I think every white person who needs a, who who's listening to this show needs to understand that a black child, brown child, whatever you may be, I grew up. I'm gonna tell you how I grew up and what my cousins grew up. We were always told we had to work twice, three, four times harder than a white student because we don't have the same opportunities as you guys would. We can't mess up once because we'll never get that chance again. Um, a big thing I always, you know, I always heard was like, you know, keep your nose clean because you never know what can happen. We, again, we just can't, we, we don't have those opportunities as others. And the way you expressed it and went through it, uh, a real quick story to touch on what's something you said. I'm not going to say who it was, but somebody was on my show recently and they were out with their, their son. An older white gentleman walks up to them and the son is crying. The white gentleman says to the black female, um, why are you being so not, why are you being so mean to your nanny? You, you, you shouldn't be that mean to your nanny. That's not nice. And this is a woman who's big time. Wow. And the white male says to her, this is her, and this is her son. Yeah. And she called me right after this. was like, I can't believe this happened to him. It's like, I said, it doesn't matter who you are, what you are. It's still 2021. Don't matter what you are. Yeah. People are going to treat you the way they're going to treat you. And, and right. she corrected him real quick. But as I said, this is still, this is still our reality. And <clears> I want people to understand that. And what you said about what you went through, there's a million other stories that we all can talk about, but I'm glad you brought that up because that, that's a vulnerability that you didn't have to talk about us, but I'm glad you brought that part of your story up because that is very important. That's the makeup of who you are as a person. Right. So, you know, being able to touch on that is that, you know, hatred is a learned behavior. And so this is, this is taught, um, you know, breaded in, um, and a, a, I would say that it is a disease. Hatred is a disease. And it can be rooted so much where people don't know that they have it. And they will say that, well, this is just my opinion towards it. But again, children are not born with hatred in the heart. 
it's all learned. Exactly, exactly. So, and we got we we got to do better. Got definitely got to do better. Got to so, do better. Let's move on to where we left off. About okay, you, you were like, you know what? I I did twelve shots. And you only sucked yeah. four. And yeah. Because I want to know how I want to know how you became your own boss entrepreneur. That's what. That's what okay. We, we want to okay. Who wants okay. Brother, go ahead. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I I appreciate that. So you know, after that, you know, I shot you know for a couple other magazines right after, but it was just the continuous of of frustration, knowing that okay, um, I worked with modeling agencies. You know, I work with um, talent agencies, the, you know, hair, makeup, um, casting, um, uh, scout locations, all of those things. And I'm saying, well, I have this in my database. Why don't I just, you know, reach out and, and do something, right? So uh, me, this was March of 2011. So actually this March will be 10 years of live it, right? Um, which is just another, hmm. another moment to celebrate and to realize, right? The beauty of, you know, being able to survive this journey. And so um, what I did was um, I was trying to create a name that actually means something. That's something that, you know, meant something. Um, and so, you know, I, I went through so many different names and then I looked at the word live it, you know, and, and the aspects of that people were saying, you know, like, oh, you're angry. You know, I'm like, we have every right to be angry, but, you know, for me, you know, was being able to really break down the word. So LIV stands for living ID stands for identity. So living identity. And so for me it was doing everything with purpose. And um, the sole mission was to break down what social media and social climates define what a culture is. Because we, we step into these areas of where uh, people are misconstrued of what black and brown people, who we are, right? You know, it's like the, the thing of saying, well, I know who you are. You know, like when I was getting my master's saying, remember how you were brought up type of thing? Or, you know, the teachers are saying, you know, when you're younger, oh, you would never amount to this or you would never get accepted to this school to like, you know, I remember one of my first housemates in graduate school from Thailand, you know, he approached me, he's like, yo, 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 yo. And I said, excuse me, uh, don't talk to me like that because I don't speak like that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he backed up and he said, you know what? I'm sorry, I learned my English from watching rap videos. So again, perception, right, of one, um, oneself. And so being able to you know, be in that place and expose that place. And so this is what I wanted to, I created a mock cover. I pitched it to my network. I pitched it to people who I've worked with before. And I said, Hey, I want to start a magazine. Would you be interested in being a part of it? Right. So, um, I shot, um, so many editorials, um, to where, you know, the launch date was September 2011. Um, it was 111 pages, 20 contributors in eight different countries. I built a website that translated to 75 different languages. And that's how I launched Live It Magazine. Mm. Mm. Mm -mm. And, and that was where I didn't know much about, you know, how to actually proceed with it. But I just knew from my previous jobs of, you know, Putting, um, when I worked for Coolers International, I, I did marketing. So I did all the proposals of putting books and stuff together um, to where now I pitch, you know, embassies and, uh, you know, ministers of a tourism uh, for budgets for my team to travel. You know, so looking at those aspects of using those pieces as stepping stones and being able to use it for my own benefit. So looking at the aspects of saying, this is my journey and being able to use all of these bricks to be able to create my own pathway, right? So the next following year, um, we just grew to where we were like over, I mean, 30 contributors, I'm not 30, but 300 contributors. And so um, each year we were going even further 
And then to the point where um, my networking um, process with other the agencies, you know, they begin to know who our name was, was reaching out to do, you know, interviewing celebrities and everything else. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's history from that, you know, starting the publication. And then later I end up introducing um, the agency in 2016. So I had the publication a, a while before I actually started um, uh, the agency where we focus on uh, content strategy, um, video, um, white label content, um, curating for other companies. And so that's when, you know, I got more into uh, learning how to code uh, more efficiently. You know, I was taking online classes on, you know, like React, um, Angular, you know, so it's like, uh, I am not fluent in French, but I know five other languages in code to be able to be efficient in the, the work that I do. So it's like when people say, oh, like, how many languages do you speak? It's like, you know, versus, you know, it's like, okay, are you talking about verbal versus, you know, actual creative? Mm. Um, and this is also has been, um, I guess, ingrained in me that, you know, the form of technology um, as a child, I remember our first computer, I used to take it apart and rebuild it. Oh, wow. And so not knowing that like, okay, eventually I will get into it. But right now I'm just going full force and in, in, in being an artist who I am. And, you know, my family has always been supportive, you know, of my art career and even to where I'm at now. Um, you know, they're one of my, my biggest cheerleaders, especially my sisters and my mom, you know, always been supportive in that aspect. So you start your music, you start the magazine, you start the publication. Yeah. Are you still working at your regular nine to five or is this, is this your nine to five? One no, this, no, this is, this is every day, every day. So I used to work, you know, 18, maybe 20 hours a day. You know, I mean, when we, when I first got our first office, I was taking naps in the office and waking up, hmm. you know, and even at the time, um, at that time I was married. Um, and so being able to balance the personal life and, you know, that whole thing and, um, you know, move to France, that didn't work out, you know, and, you know, the ups and downs of the relationship, you know, took a toll and end up getting divorced later. But, you know, everything that I experienced, I learned from and I continue to push um, despite my current situation. And so that's one of the things that, you know, as I'm a mentor now um, and have been for quite a few years is that, you know, telling the students saying that your current situation does not dictate your future. Mm. And, um, and so, cause that's, that's the, the, the major, you know, hurdle because that's what, that's it's like, this is what I see, but knowing is saying that, okay, well, I experienced this, you know, I experienced this and this and this, um, and I think where the kids were more like looking at my exterior saying, well, you haven't experienced anything because you're right here. And I'm like, I at all, it hasn't always been this easy. Mm -hmm. It's just that what's going to drive you, right? What's your own motivation? What do you feel like your purpose is and why? And then you just, you know, you just go with it. Now, you, you I mean you you're live you're jet setting you're living in France you're you're doing shoots can you can you get the audience a little bit a peek behind the curtain of like a day in the life of like which some of the some of the fun some of the, sh the shoots that you did that was amazing some of the okay things okay. give a little peek behind the curtain of like just what, what okay done. so um my first time to Greece was a press trip. And I was able to travel to four different islands, as well as the inland of Athens. And I met with government officials. We had lunch, we had dinner. I mean, these are like four, five hour meals of conversation without phones. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, wow, this is different. I said, in America, we wouldn't, 
you would never get this opportunity to, to, to speak with a government official, even for that long, you know, to be able to talk about life. So looking at culture at a different way and being able to immerse yourself into it and appreciate it. Um, and so for me, it was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to pitch one of my projects, you know, um, because again, they pay for me to be there. And then I said, okay, well, let me write up one of my proposals and, um, and get my team back in. So the next following year, I got my team there. Um, I, uh, one of my close friends now, he, well, he, at the time he was the, the general secretary of Greece. And uh, I mean, we used to talk on Facebook messenger, like that's how cool, you know, this relationship is right. Because again, we're all human, right. And you, you're able to build that type of rapport, then you can, you know, that opens up so many doors for you, right. Um, being genuine. So I had proposed them, uh, you know, two weeks in, in Rhodes, which is one of my favorite islands of the Southern Aegean. And, um, and I think it's known for, is it the water or the sun? It's one, it's either, either one. It's like the sun island or the water island. I can't, I can't remember. Um, guys, please forgive me <laughs> if I got this wrong, you know, because I know they're going to call me out and it's yeah. like, Daniel, don't you remember? Yeah. Um, so, um, I am human. Please don't kill me. Um, so, um, you know, end up getting the, we end up getting a sponsor with, um, Emirates Hmm. and then we got them to sponsor the rest of the trip. So like they had vans waiting for us at the airport. Um, we had three villa, wait, no, not three villas, but three bungalows, um, with a private pool, um, I mean, it was just like to the point where it's like, okay. And then we had all of our meals taken care of, um, you know, that type of thing. And cause we were doing, you know, uh, reviews, you know, articles and all these other places. So we shot about five editorials all over the whole Island from, you know, cliffs to underwater caves. And, you know, it's like building relationships with one of the restaurant owners, um, you know, who is a dear friend of mine now, met him at his first restaurant. We went there for lunch and just carrying on conversation saying that how he built his restaurant built uh, brick by brick by using four wheelers because of the, the narrow of the streets. And he's showing me pictures and he's like, oh, I have this other place, you know, on the beach, you should check it out. And he was like, wait a minute. He's like, you want to see something? And he shows me these underwater caves that only the locals know about. And he was like, I would love to give you a tour of this. And we already have a set schedule. I'm talking to my creative director. I said, okay, we're going to change our schedule around and we're going to do this. And so the guy took off the day and he took us, met us at there and then got into uh, a motorboat and pedal boats and went out to this place that was just so spectacular it was so surreal. And so that's what I'm saying, like, man, when you are genuine people, they open up so many doors for you. And so we end up having dinner with him that night. And he was like, Daniel, he was like, I just want to let your team know and how much I appreciate you being here and spending time with us. And he was like, you know, he said, I forgot to offer you my private plane if you wanted to go to any of the other islands. And I look, so tears are coming down my face because of, you know, this guy doesn't know me from Adam, but it was just the, the, the fact that we had great conversation and he saw that I was real, that he offered those things to me. And he was like, you know, you're welcome back anytime. And, and I just wanted my team to understand. It's like, you know, because I feel Americans are so entitled when they travel they expect these things and these things are not um, expected should be expected those things are earned you know and so um knowing those things of being a person of color being able to go into places that you've never been before and people were just like you know what you're a genuine great person let's let's work together let's let's create this synergy and so that's why before, um, I never went on any of these trips. I sent my editors to these places. And so for me, it was like, let me experience this for myself once, right? 
you know, and, and then it just opened up, opened up my eyes to being able to just appreciate life more, mm. Mm. you know, and slowing down. That's what Greece taught me was to slow down. Nice. And now we before before and we, so that's why I go back there. <laughs> we just got online. We were talking about how, how I love Santorini. I just like go, I like sitting there. I like mm-hmm. riding a moped. I like getting a yero and just sitting back in the yes. and a yero. Yeah, a yero. Yes. So, uh, and the uzo and the uzo. So, what other like trips would you say? Just because you guys were more of a lifestyle magazine, correct? Yeah, so we're 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 high fashion. So we we travel to all of the fashion weeks around the world, you know, which is one of the biggest things of why we're so heavily on um, editorials and um, editorials. Where the cultural side, which is called our culturally speaking column, um, is where we're able to really immerse ourselves within the culture, and I actually love those a lot more because. You know, again, we're what we're do, trying to do is breaking down these stereotypes of what you know, you know, a lot of what American culture um, defines what it is going on in another place, right? Rather than that, it's like, hey, seeing it for yourself. Now we will give you the tips and and tools for you to be able to travel there as well. And so that's why we work with a lot of the the tour um, ministers of tourism for that as well, bridging the markets. Wow. Now, yeah. how has COVID affected your team with the shutdown? I mean, I always got to ask, okay. because you're entrepreneurs, okay. so this, I, know, I know it hit hard. <laughs> so for, for, for all, most, most of all businesses, what yeah. because uh, that's always my question, trials and tribulations for COVID. What have you had to, yeah. what have you had to do to pivot your company? Well, I mean, the biggest thing was we're no longer in office. Right. You know, we're no longer in an actual building. Um, I mean, which is okay for some things, you know, as far as the writers, because they can be anywhere. But, you know, you're talking about production meetings and stuff like that, you know, having the studio, um, you know, there's there's so many different limitations. And also, you know, it's just like being present of how are you currently feeling like beyond work. Right. So it's like, wait, okay let me focus on my mental health because I don't know if I can even handle this. Right. You know, you're talking about a team of 10, 10 to 12 to where it's like, well, you want to make sure that everybody's okay. But then it's like, you're checking in and saying, well, am I okay? Mm. You know? And so that was a lot of that of, you know, really focusing on that, checking in with everyone to make sure like, Hey, you know, how's your family, you know, you know, those type of things where in a sense, a lot of our content was drastically cut because we do a lot of travel. Um, and so now it's, it's just bits and pieces, but we're still trying to regroup a lot of the, the written work. Um, and, um, and that's why, you know, a lot of the meetings that I had today and last week was geared towards um, our digital calendar, you know, relaunching that and taking submissions um, so that should be, you know, up and running by, you know, end of this month, next month um, type of thing. Um, not sure if we're going to go back into print just yet, because, again, I don't even know if our um, facility in the UK is open, mm. you know. And so looking at that and the distribution, you know, it's a lot of expenses of the unknown of saying, OK, well, we put up this this money, but then it's like people don't have the chance or opportunity to get into stores to actually buy. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot of factoring out. Um, you know, I've been talking to my advisors about that. So a lot of that I've been pivoting. Um, you know, we're we're starting a nonprofit called Live It Lab, and it is a nonprofit school. Hmm. for black and brown students, um, you know, um, but we will leave it open. But this is what it's geared towards, the opportunity um, of higher education. So we will focus on the aspects of photography, fashion design, web design, and uh, graphic design. And what we do uh, that is a lot different is that this is the non-traditional type of school where at the end of the week, 
they're doing a round table and handling uh, real world you know, um, problems to create solutions. So at the end of the day, all of those majors come together to start a business. And that's what we're teaching is to create the aspects of um, entrepreneurship and generational wealth. And so we'll have a lot of talks, you know, speakers that come in to talk about, you know, finance and all the other things that we don't learn in school. It's like, for me, undergrad, we didn't have the, um, the, the photography business class. We didn't have the art business class, right? You have to take that from another major. It shouldn't have taken me to get to my master's to take a business class in photography, to know how to write contracts, to, to know the ins and outs of copyright, all of those different things. And so now that I'm on the advisory board at Casanova, you know, the art and design um, studio program um, for the last almost six years now, um, I can say first African-American and um, youngest male um, on the board, um, which is something really big that I was also on the alumni magazine, um, which is also something rare, uh, for that school. Um, because I mean, just saying, if you look back at the history of a lot of these places, you only see white faces. And so, you know, when you're able to, to break those barriers and the students know you and they want to gravitate towards you because of those things, and this is the main reason why I'm in education in the first place, because um, I don't remember my first black male teacher. Mm. Mm. You know, if you look, if you ask that question to people, how many can say when was their first or, you know, do have, have they even had one. Right. So I look back at that because I remember, you know, um, you know, um, black women um because i remember you know one of my english teachers um was a black woman and um everybody used to call me dan and or danny and she was like she would always call me daniel and she was really? like um she was like because that's your name right and it was like stop letting people cut your name right. you know and it's like knowing the power of who you are and so it's like already those those little things that people you know were instilling in me in spite of all the other stuff Right. Um, that keeps you going. It's funny. Um, back now, my first male black teacher was high school. It was high school. Okay. You guys, one Do you was, remember what subject? Well, it was weird. It was weird. One guy was a computer guy. His name was Mr. Gatling. Okay. The guy was Mr. Mangrum. And uh, okay. he was a history teacher. And okay. I remember he was really profound because he was like, Aaron, get your ass over here. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with real love. Yeah. It was like, love, yeah, come on, man, come on, man. You know, it's only a couple of us here. I need, yeah. I need you tighten up. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I get what you're saying. And he was like, and I always took his classes because it was somebody that I was like, I could look up to and talk to about that, right? And being an all predominantly white school, you really had that no outlet to talk to a lot of people. And so, That's thinking true. about that now, it was a great, it was a great that I had one in high school. And then after that, I didn't have any in college. <laughs> I, no. had, I had black female teachers in college, but yeah. I didn't have a black male teacher, professor at Syracuse yeah. University at all. Didn't have one. Yeah. That's sad when I think about it. You know, when you just said that, I just like, right. Damn. Like I'm thinking about Because it's, it's real. It's real. Right. It really is. It's real. And I like that you are doing things of that nature. So, what do you say to people who are trying to get in the game like you? You know, you know, like, Cause I, I we we spoke and I told you, yeah, I get no love down here. Like you know, I yeah. went to Baltimore for Baltimore Sun, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. I, I asked a uh, writer from one of the papers, hey, you know, we're doing big things over here. No picks doing right. Big. I got all right. these sponsors, man. Like, and y'all can't yeah. get no love. And they're like, oh, we don't we don't talk about it. we don't do we don't do we don't do podcasts. I'm like, really? That's big out here. Right. Like, and yeah. then I to art, uh, please uh, art magazine. And I was like, listen. Mm -hmm. What I do is art also. It's still an angle. Yeah. And she said, yeah. no, I don't know anything about it. But if you can right. a little more, maybe we can work the angle. And I'm like, how come I had to go all the way outside of Baltimore to get love for my podcast, but I can't get love in my own home city, which is crazy. To yeah, me. it is crazy. It's crazy that it is. I'm going to form tonight. 
with AKA's sorority. They were yeah. talking about all these type of issues. Yeah. Brothers like you yeah. are great for us. And we we really appreciate what you're doing out here, though. We really appreciate yeah. you know. So how are you working with ads? Like how was the how's the ad revenue? Like how are the advertisers talking about with you guys right now? Like have you guys Well, it's see the thing is is that I'm the person who builds rapport and then I have someone else to ask for money. You know, it's like it can never be the the same hand, right? Um, I learned that, you know, because I, you know, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, these again, these things are not taught in school, right? So you learn by trial and error. It's like the same thing of how I was writing proposals and creating all of these things to get, you know, tens of thousands to, to almost hundreds of thousands of dollars for my projects, right? So looking at the aspects of that um, is research. The information is there. Um, looking at companies that are producing and creating the same content, but make it your own. You know, I what I do... Um, since day one of creating the magazines is that when I created one, I would take it apart and mark all the things that I didn't like about it. And then on to the next one, improving each time. And so, you know, for someone that is looking to do that is saying like, Hey, um, there's nothing wrong with being critical of your own work, but learning, looking at how you can learn from each one of those things to make it better. I think that's, as an artist, that's the biggest thing that we can do and take from um, and find a mentor. I think the biggest thing is, is finding someone that, you know, um, it does, you know, a person not, not necessarily has to look like you, but, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that we do aim for, but, you know, finding someone that, you know, is, is in the game or has some type of business aspect of, of launching and starting a business um, and go from there. You know, uh, when I lived in California, uh, I did have a mentor. Um, her name was Michelle Hector. And, you know, she was a um, black woman, uh, one of the youngest women at the time where she graduated from, I believe it was Yale. Um, and just, you know, very, she challenged so much uh, that I did but she also was like, stop. Um, what did she say? She said, stop um, making yourself a little. Because it was like, she was like, you just graduate from a master's and you're, and you're going about like saying, oh, okay, this and this and this and this. No, it's like acknowledge you, your achievements mm. and let them be known. You know, it's not in the aspects of, of boasting or, or being prideful is that this is the way of the world. You know, um, I, I find that, you know, in my career, uh, being in a lot of the white spaces, this is the issue of always having to wear my credentials on my sleeve. Hmm. And, and this is actually what I wanted to touch on because this is important for um, a lot of the young black entrepreneurs that struggle with this. Um, is that, you know, being in these spaces because there's not that many black publishers at all. Magazines, a lot of the black magazines are not owned by black people. You know, um, being in a tech field where it's predominantly white and male. You know, I've been to massive tech conferences where there was only five black people and we all congregated and now they're like my close friends. Mm. You know, so looking at these things and saying that these are issues, um, but also knowing your self-work, you know, it's like where I started fashion, you know, as an intern, you know, uh, shooting for um, intern as um, an assistant for Joseph Cartwright, who shoots beauty and fashion here, is now my creative director, right? Um, which is so, in a way, it's like, he respects me so much. Now he, you know, does work for me. Um, and we're, we're, we're great colleagues. You know, it's not like I owe him or whatever. It's that's how we, we are. Um, so, you know, going behind the scenes and shooting the shows and now as an editor um, sitting on front row, these are people saying, um, are you supposed to be here? Mm. You know, show me your papers, as they would say, a 
a slave, a free slave. Um, show me your papers that you're free or show me your papers that you're qualified enough to sit here. And so it was a lot of that where um, it's still like that today in fashion. Um, you can talk to a lot of um, black fashion designers where, you know, their, their designs being ripped off from these big brands like Fashion Nova, you know, pretty little things, you know, they're, they're, and again, I can say that because I see it, right? You know, I see these black designers and they're posting and they're not getting segue because they don't have the lawyers to, to face, you know, these, these people. Um, and I don't know, come for me, try me. You know, I, I'm like, literally, try me. I, I don't care. You know, I'm a journalist. And so, you know, the aspect is that I can be transparent in that. Um, but no, don't come for me. I don't have time. I just don't have time. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have time. I don't have the, I don't have the energy. But, um, you know, but these things are real, right? You know, that we face as Black and Brown people in these spaces of having to always prove ourselves. And it goes back to saying that we have to be five to six times as good as, but yet, you know, we have the credentials to show um, and we always have to show them, mm, yeah. unfortunately. Mm. So, so we going, we going, you know. to, we going to wrap this baby in a big bow because you, we drop okay. and we, you <laughs> classic. You pay for that. Now, I'm gonna, just getting started. <laughs> we'll do you. a part two. It's, it's definitely be a part two, brother. We're going to do a part two. Okay. All right. Okay. So, what do you? Uh, we're going to do a rapid fire. Let's, let's do a rapid fire. Okay. 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 Crabs or lobster? Crabs. Okay. Top three favorite TV shows. Um, let's see, uh, The Good Place, um, American Gods, and, um, uh, The Badlands. Okay. What is your favorite city to visit? Anywhere, anywhere in the world. The one I, the one that I live in. <laughs> New oh, York. Okay. I thought you were, I thought you were Europe. I thought you might do Europe. I didn't. Okay. Oh, I mean, you know, yeah, but <laughs> when I when I when I'm in those places, there's nothing like this place. Nothing. If they the were, energy, the people, the drive. Yeah. Your favorite fashion designer. Oh God. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I can't even answer that. Okay, no good. No, you're good. I, I, yeah, yeah, I can't even answer that. I don't know. Drums or flats? Huh? Drums or flats for chicken wings? Uh, you said flaps? Flats. So, no, so that's always this. It's always what, the riddle. It's flat. like, what is that? I, I didn't get it. You talking about breasts? The drum is the one part of the wing. And then the flat yes, wing. Yeah, the drums like like the oh, okay, the drum, drum, yeah, yeah. drum, drum. Yeah, drum, yeah. I was like, drum. what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I have people who all they eat is flats. They go to the bar and restaurant, but like, I want flats. I don't want any drums. Oh. So it's, no, I, I I prefer the, the <clears throat> yeah, okay. the drum. Ranch or blue cheese? Uh blue cheese. And if you could if you could go anywhere today for a vacation, where would you go? You oh, back to Greece. Okay. What is the yeah, back to Greece? What is the best advice you've ever received? You are enough. Okay. Okay. And where do we see your company in the next three or four years? So this is great. So this is what I actually will be uh, going through on Wednesday because it's the reflection. It's uh, it's my birthday, but also the reflection of the last ten years. And so um, the launch of the school is the the, the biggest part, right? Um, the nonprofit, you know, getting that up in in works. Uh, whether it be strictly um, a digital platform of way the way schools are right now or eventually going into the brick and mortar. So a lot of that is where I'm focusing on that. And of course, you know, upping, you know, our aspects of the clientele that we do for the media company, you know, is expanding, you know, that clientele, you know, going into a lot more um, international clients, you know, the fact that I'm VP 
um, of, you know, digital marketing for a company out of the UK, which will open up so many other doors because literally with that position, I will receive the Americas. So North America, Central America and South America, which I've never been to South America. So a lot of that will be um, open territory and opportunities for, you know, not only live it, but, you know, the company that, you know, I'm VP of. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I'm gonna ask. Y'all got a spot for a podcaster out there so we can interview people. I'm just like, I, I gotta ask it, brother. I gotta ask. Well, it. you know what? This this is it. actually something that is on uh, my seven tiers. So I have seven tiers of live it, and um, I have been asked many times to start one. And so this is you know a great intro of knowing more information on how to do this and how to develop it properly. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. We yeah. can, we can, we can. Yeah, for sure. Now, I'm just out here trying to, trying to catch something in there. That's all. Not long yes, as exactly. But I, Hey, Mr. Daniel Watson, I appreciate you coming on, dropping jewel. Thank you. Drop so much knowledge. We need a part two because I was like, <laughs> okay, he got a meeting right now. I got, we, but we gonna have to run this back. And I want to thank you for taking time out your okay. day. To explain what your trials and tribulations, what you went through, and how successful yes. this is, and ten years strong. Yes, thank you. A magazine, internationally. Yes. Come on. Yes. Well, we gotta give people. Gotta thank give us you. A round of applause. And I'm like, you know, I, I love seeing this. I appreciate you coming on. And what do you need? Where can we find you on social media so we can get so we can plug that? Where can we find you guys? Okay, so on all of my social media, it's Daniel and. Editor L I V, and so you can find me there. Okay, okay, you, you heard it. Follow, go follow this brother. We're gonna do a part two. We're definitely gonna do Thank a part you. two because yes. I there's more questions I want to ask. But we going, we going, we gonna go back. All right. Thank you. Love, peace, and happiness. We're out.